The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi, so I'm Becky Briggs. Um, I ran for GB twice. I ran in the 2019 World Cross and then the 2020 World Half Marathon Championships. And I'm currently training for the Olympic Trail Marathon in March. Okay, so something what a lot of people might not know about you is obviously here in Half Marathon and Marathon. How old are you, Becky? Um, I'm 20. Yeah, so that's... That's crazy. I, I couldn't do a half marathon or a marathon race. I, I admire you moving up to that distance so soon because I guess with British athletics at the minute as well, there's sort of definitely like a surge in like youngsters who are doing that distance and like really being successful over like on the global circuit, like running really quick times. Obviously you on the women's side and then Jake Smith on the um, men's side. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it is a big like it is a big step up at a young age but for me I just feel that the opportunity this year and the opportunity to have such a big training block over this winter while um you know because of coronavirus it just kind of seems like the right opportunity and yeah I might as well kind of grasp it so so, yeah yeah so so when did you sort of like target start targeting the half like properly was it this year or like the year before um so I did my first one at the start of 2018 and it was one of those things where like I I really didn't know how it was going to go I was so nervous and my goal was to run sub 80 and my coach's goal at the time was for me to run sub 78 and I actually ran just under 75 minutes and it was kind of one of those things where it's like oh actually you know for an 18 year old first ever half marathon wasn't wearing carbon plated shoes it was kind of like actually no this is where this is where we're going to head um so since then really like I've always known it's going to be the aim and if someone asked me if you could go to the Olympics what distance would you do it would be the marathon it wouldn't be 10,000 on the track so yeah Yeah, road running is so much better than track running anyway so it's good to you know stuff on that I wish there was a half marathon in the Olympics I don't know why because it would I guess it sort of devalues if there's more running events it sort of devalues the like uh like merit of winning the Olympics but I feel like a half marathon could be a good distance or even like a 15k on the road but yeah I think it'd be really interesting because I think you know there's such a big difference between training for 10,000 on the track and training for a marathon I feel like it is one of those things where you have got to kind of choose but then equally like half marathon is so different to you know a marathon like the type of training that you can do like you know for a half marathon you know you can get by on doing like a lot less but then like marathon training you really have got to do marathon training if you know what I mean so yeah horrendous I could not even dream the longest one I've ever done is 30k on a Sunday and I never want to do it ever again so I admire your marathon training and speaking about that obviously it's been coronavirus you've had to train by yourself a lot how has that been mentally like doing a high mileage completely by yourself all in like groups of one or two in all honesty I think because because where I live like back at home so like before I came to uni um, I live like in East Yorkshire there's you know there isn't really a big kind of 
um, high-end kind of running community, not really. So yeah. when I was at home, I did all my training completely by myself anyway. So I feel like I've kind of grown up doing a lot of, an awful lot of like solo miles so that now if I do have someone, you know, once a week to run with it, you know, that's, that's lovely. But also like, I can do it by myself, if you know what I mean, you know, it's, it's difficult. And sometimes, you know, I can spend ages procrastinating, stepping out the door on a Sunday, but once you're out there, like it is absolutely fine. And I think, you know, there is the benefit of if you can do it on your own and you aren't relying on other people, you know, ultimately in a race, you are, yeah. you are going to be on your own. So, so yeah, I think, I think it does help to be honest. I think it's a big mental toughness booster because like I can't I've always trained in a group so for the life of me I couldn't push a pace on in a race I'd always just sit in or like use someone else so I think definitely training by yourself is really helps with that um is it hilly in East Yorkshire where you live is it is it quite hilly yeah it's really well it's a lot hillier than um Bushy well, Park. yeah 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 because <laughs> I feel like where I live it's so hilly that solo runs are just if it's raining on a Sunday and you know you've got a solo run where it's not very nice like I can go to the trails like but I have to run there so I normally just run like around my area and it's just like I've got 15 miles of this complete utter rubbish of hills constantly and it just I, I yeah I, I don't know how you do it to be honest with you because what's your sort of training like now mileage wise and like long run wise and stuff so at the moment I'm averaging between like 95 and 100 miles a week um, but then every so often so like maybe every four or every five weeks I'll have a down week where I'll do like um 60 miles and maybe like one session and one long run which I do think is actually really important to kind of like avoid injury in a big training block like yeah you know over summer I did six weeks six months even of you know just solid training and didn't have a down week I think it was lucky that I didn't pick up an injury so so yeah but at the moment it's like 95 to 100 miles a week and my longest run was last week and that was 20 miles like today I did two hours which was like 19.2 so kind of yeah around that mark but it's going to step up to like two and a half hours so that I know that I could run for the for the time of the marathon if you know what I mean yeah what what pace are you doing these runs obviously I know but just for the viewers because obviously I see it on Instagram and Strava and it just scares me like your some of your runs are a tempo for most people so what what pace you'd like do your standard long run or like long tempo so my yeah my standard long run on a sunday will be about 615 mile in um maybe a bit maybe a bit faster maybe a bit slower depending on the day but yeah around around kind of that pace yeah is that is, is that as a progression or is it like straight off like 630s and then sort of getting down yeah. there straight away yeah I probably start at about 6.30 and then I'll finish at like six minute mile in so it's kind of pretty consistent so, yes yeah. I, I don't know how you do that because my run today started at like 6.40 and I was like oh I just want it to end already it's, it's just not <laughs> nice um and sort of transitioning from I guess a few years ago now when you were doing like what would you say cross were you a cross country runner or would you say you also dabbled in like the track and how has that changed to now training wise I so from about 15 I started doing um 10ks on the road yeah um, because of kind of where I was based at home it was the junior running club and they kind of did fun runs rather than like track races so then as you were old enough to do the 10ks you would do the 10ks so I started doing 10ks from 15 and that's kind of where 
you know, I've progressed onto the longer distances at an earlier age because I, I kind of missed out those teenage years of running on the track. Um, yeah. You know, I, I did English schools 3000 um, at like the top end that you could, you know, at like the top age for it. Um, but that's been pretty much it for track racing. It's kind of, you know, it's not particularly something that appeals to me, but I know that like to progress, um, to become like a faster marathon and half marathon runner, I will need to become faster at um, 5K and 10K distances, which will mean potentially, you know, going on the track this summer. So, so yeah, but I kind of, yeah, I'm from a few years ago. I, yeah, I did cross country, but I mean, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't particularly very good. I was finishing like 150th in English schools, 150th in inter-counties, you know, so yeah. Yeah, I, th I think what you said there about being on the track sort of to facilitate those like faster paces for being able to sort of, I guess, be more comfortable in the half. That's something what I always go, go on about. Like, it scares me to see these 1500 meter runners running like 330, whatever. And it just always makes you think, I want to move up distance. And I know I will move up distance, but I feel like I need to get that um, speed in my legs before I move up. Because you need to be able to run like, like what, what pace is your half marathon through 10K? And like through 5k i'm not sure exactly it's like 530 mile in average so yeah i'm not sure what would that be Seven, uh, 17 17 maybe around 17 i think or just a yeah. bit yeah. Yeah, maybe, yeah and to say that obviously half marathon you've got to be able to go through 17 in a 5k feeling easy obviously well relatively comfortable so i feel like doing that sort of track stuff really helps with sort of getting that speed down like for me at the minute being a 5k runner i feel like i need to be able to go through 1500s in like 405 to be able to do a good 3k or a good 5k so yeah I, it definitely helps but i guess you you've kind of cheated the system a bit since you've already sort of got a senior gb vest um so i just wanted to talk about that quickly well not quickly but how's that felt obviously you've got two british records now or broke it twice at the under 20 yeah. level or under 23 level and then now you've got obviously the senior British British um, British vest in the world champs in Poland, was it? Is it is yeah. that right? How is that progression from like under twenties, under twenty threes, and now obviously you're still in under twenty three, but sort of the senior ranks and like getting those records and stuff? Yeah, I mean it just it like it feels it feels crazy because I mean the first half marathon I did, you know, I broke the under twenty record and then I rebroke it again in March when I ran at Bath Half. Um, and then, yeah, I did a solid six months of really hard training over lockdown. And, you know, I knew that I was in good shape and I knew I'd put the work in. So then at Amtrim, I, you know, I just couldn't believe it when I saw the finishing time. Like I, I really couldn't. And like, I mean, I'm under 23 now, but, you know, to be, I think I'm mid seventh on the rankings for under 23 and I'm right at the bottom end of the age group for it. And, you know, to be like, I think I've run the same time as like Jenny Nesbitt and like, you know, she's somebody who I've always kind of like looked up to and it just seems crazy to be, to be, you know, next to people like that on, on the rankings. And then, yeah, I mean, in this crazy, crazy year to, you know, when I got that phone call, to say that I was going to Poland for the world half, like I just, yeah, I, I can't, I can't quite explain how grateful I am that I've had that opportunity. Cause you know, you never know what's going to happen. It might not come around again. And yeah, it was, it was an absolutely amazing experience. And 
yeah just really really lucky to to be able to go and run there how is it sort of obviously we've been to um like events together it's like a sort of like a lower key level with the north of england how is it different compared to that sort of like domestic competition to like that world champs like is it a quite a lot different environment where everyone's really professional or is it still quite like enjoyable to be there it was like in the gb team it was really really enjoyable like all the other people there and the like team managers were so lovely and you know like seems i was only 20 as well like i'm like i did feel like young do you know what i mean i mean like yeah. i was the youngest person in the event which equally just felt absolutely crazy so like on the like within the gb team you know it was really really lovely but then you know when you you're on the start line and you've got people who are literally like breaking records and stuff next to you like that was kind of when it hit me that it was you know so surreal and the fact that yeah like this is a big deal do you know what I mean you know you've got like well yeah the top world-class runners in the same race as you and yeah it, it did seem crazy how uh how was that race sort of like panned out because obviously you can watch it on telly but I feel like when you're actually in the race, did was it a fast start or what were you thinking? Like, do you need to go off of the pack or do you need to sort of just run your own race? How are you sort of feeling for that? It was one of those things where, you know what it's like at the start of races, every race is different. And because of coronavirus and everything, it was kind of a lot, it was a lot more intense before the start. And we were kept like in a, a holding room almost yep. inside the hotel. For a long time before the race you know in only race kit race shoes and everything not able to like warm up or move and then five minutes before the race we were all like ran out to the start and it was yeah so everyone was just kind of like there and like you hadn't really warmed up like it was yeah it wasn't ideal and then the gun goes off and it was it was kind of like a stampede it felt like the start of cross country because it was yeah it was a really really fast start and it was it was a strange course because it was like four like just over 5k laps and it felt like the majority of it was uphill and like yeah. there was tight corners you know it wasn't it wasn't in my eyes it wasn't like the fastest course you know it wasn't the fastest course out there but you know people ran absolutely amazing times but yeah it was it was a tough race like it really really was um kind of one of those ones where you've got to be really mentally strong it wasn't you know you weren't just going to be carried around it you had to kind of work to stay you know to kind of keep your place yeah i'm not, sorry for calling you out if this wasn't you but didn't you like cross the finish line and like go straight to the floor straight away or was that someone else's team so so basically i had i picked up a really really bad cold i we knew it wasn't coronavirus because i'd had you know like coronavirus tests and you know we were tested when we Got there and they came back negative and everything but I had just such a bad like head cold you know like where you're really like congested such a bad headache so during the race it was probably the worst I have ever felt during a race like I couldn't breathe my, my like my chest completely tightened up I just felt absolutely awful I thought I was going to be sick you know it was it was really really tough and yeah I've never felt that awful during a race and it kind of got to the last like 400 meters and I knew that Clara Evans one of the other girls from GB was in front of me and I thought oh, it would be amazing to be like the the second scorer and not be the you know the last scorer back and I thought do you know what like I might never have this opportunity again you have just got to go for it so that last you know four five hundred meters I 
I went for it like I really really did and there's a few video clips and you can see like I was sprinting my socks off like I really really was and then I got to the finish line and I yeah I basically just dived straight to the floor like I've never felt so awful when I finished a race as I did that day like everyone was the same everyone was kind of saying oh we feel really sick it was very very strange but yeah I felt absolutely awful but I wanted to finish knowing that I'd given it my all and you know I, I did so so yeah so, yeah, just a quick apology. If anyone hears my sister screaming in the background, she is playing on an iPad and for whatever reason, she doesn't pay attention to me when I say I'm recording the podcast. So yeah, sorry about that. Um, yeah, I was about to ask what was what's harder, uh, that half or the World Cross, but I guess you've sort of an answered it there because I heard the World Cross was really yeah, hard as well. I'm not sure. I think the Peyton is a hard one. World Cross was obviously a lot shorter because it was only 6K, so the pain was kind of over quicker. Um and yeah, obviously half marathon is a lot longer distance. So it was kind of a longer drawn out pain, but the pain after world cross was, you know, it was like no other, like that was, you know, like in your legs after world cross, that was worse. Like yeah. I, the cameras did not do that course justice to how bad the hills were. Like it really, really was. Yeah. That was a painful experience. Well, I mean that, that roof hill, it, it basically was like a steep hill and then you went down a hill and then you turned a bend and then went up another hill straight away or something like that. I, yeah. Yeah. It was awful. constant at World Cross. There was, it was just simply no flat. It was either uphill or downhill and, you know, so many twists and turns and then they put mud in there, water in there, sand. It was, yeah, it was really, really tough, but that was, you know, that was an amazing experience as well. So, but yeah, very grateful. So we've been currently arguing some some Americans in our comments section, and because they think that we're salty, um, that we just run slow at cross country. So I just wanted you, I wanted your opinion on this. What do you think the hardest cross country course in the UK is, and also how does that compare to these American courses you see? Because for some reason they think they're just as hard. Okay, so I've never actually ran at Parliament Hill, which obviously everybody says that that's kind of like the you know, the, the hardest cross-country course there is, but I've, yeah, I've never run there. So the hardest cross-country course in the UK, I mean, I suppose it depends on the conditions. Like there was a year at the Intercounties a few years ago where it was like an absolute mud bath. I can't remember what year it was. Um, maybe 2018, was it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I would say that that was, that was possibly the hardest. I mean, it's not the hardest course, but the conditions that day were were really really tough yeah yeah i think from like recent years when it's been literally muddy in every single race i feel like the mud is so much worse than the hills um yes. and the nationals was horrendous this year so did you race that yes i did yeah i i wasn't i wasn't very fit at that point at all so i was yeah it was okay i came 10th which was all right but it wasn't you know it wasn't really where I would want to be but that was yeah that was grueling that was yeah that wasn't pleasant at all I just remember my you know my mum being like be careful in the mud because it was like knee deep wasn't it it was yeah it was just hard to stand up a few years ago someone actually got like metal in their leg from going into that into that um hole like that where it drops to like your, your knees like someone literally got metal impaled in their leg so it always scares me going in there because it's kind of, but recent years, the bit before it, literally you walk through it, don't you? Like it's literally like 10 minute mile and maybe even slower because you can't pick your feet up from the ground. It's horrendous. So yeah, I'd say that's probably the hardest cross country course. Any, any Northern cross country course, I feel like 
it's harder anyway. So, you know. Yeah, so definitely. next up, you obviously do a lot of miles and you get obviously a roadrunner. So I wanted to speak about sort of like, we call this part, part shoe corner. Well, I don't know why we call it that because we never really use it, but I feel like today's a good time to actually ask some questions about shoes, like different mileages and different sessions. Um, so what's still sort of your like go-to shoe for like your long run at the minute? Um, so I actually wear Adidas Sole Boost, which I feel like is a bit of a, like a rare choice. And I don't really see many other people wearing them. Um, but yeah, I just find them really, really comfy. You can get them cheap in outlets, you know, you can get them for about 50 pounds. So I just kind of find them, a, yeah, a really comfy shoe. Um, yeah, they're what I wear for, yeah, all of my steadies and my long runs, really. So, yeah. That's, Adidas always seem to have so many good discounts on. And I feel like they've been slept on a bit in the last few years because of Nike sort of just skyrocketed. Yeah. So, yeah, it's if Rory was here, he'd, he'd try and bring up Hoka about, about now. So be thankful <laughs> that he's not on the podcast because we'd be talking about Hoka for the next 10 minutes. Um, what about sort of those like tempos, like fresh old type of, type of sessions? So for sessions, I'll either wear, um, I've just got a pair of the tempo next sense. Yep. Like, yeah, I do really, really like them. I think they're a really, I think they're great for, what they've been made for you know they're a good session shoe they're not like as light and bouncy as like your next percents but i think it's nice to save your racing shoe for races and maybe like a couple of key sessions before a race and almost have a step down to train in that's kind of what i what i like to do so yeah tempo next percents and then i do really like four percents they're hard to get hold of you know they kind of like discontinued them they're really hard to get hold of but yeah i do yeah i really get on with four percent so they're what i wear for sessions those are those flying at four percents aren't they they're um i love them to be honest i feel like they're so versatile from like you can do fast 400s in them all the way up to like obviously so i don't know because now joe with the next percents the stack height doesn't feel the same and they've aggravated my calves a bit but like when you're like comfortable in those shoes i actually think they're probably the fastest nike shoe you can wear for like if you did a 5k 3k i'd probably choose the four percents over the um next percents maybe i don't yeah, know that, i think you can you know four percents are lovely to wear on the track like yeah you know they i mean they've been banned out for races haven't they which which is a bit of a shame for somebody like me because you know not coming from a track background if i'm going to do a track race now it's kind of like oh what do i wear do i wear do i try and run in spikes or do i try and find like a a flat to wear that's not a carbon plate so yeah 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 i mean it's i think it's funny that a lot of people kind of haven't chosen to wear like the alpha flies for races i think that's really interesting like a lot of the top end people are still continuing to wear next percents so so yeah you, have you worn alpha flies did you wear alpha flies in the half no i haven't i've never tried them simply because i don't know i kind of feel like i've heard a lot more negative reviews about them kind of than positive and some people say i'm not sure whether this is true or not that you almost have to hit down quite hard on the ground to get the rebound and obviously yeah. being quite you know like I'm only five foot so I'm quite small and I kind of thought am I going to go down with enough force to to get the rebound but then equally I am a four foot striker like I run quite high up on my toes so you know maybe the pod in the front of the shoe would actually be really beneficial so I'm not sure but it's difficult when you know it's like 250 to 260 pounds to spend on something that you might not you know you yeah. might not like so, so you've yeah. got quite a high knee drive as well haven't you like really yeah. really high yeah. knee drive 
I feel like I've got quite a, a strange, well, not strange, different running style to a lot of like a lot of distance runners. But yeah, but yeah. It's, it seems like a fast style, if that makes sense. If it seems like you should be doing like the five k's and the ten k's based off how you, how you look when you run, but I guess yeah, I guess quite, it's sorry, go. On. I was gonna say it's almost quite like um like tiring. Like <laughs> I don't know. Like I've I've got quite a lot of bounce in each step. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where that's kind of come from, but but yeah, I mean, my running style's changed quite drastically over the years, so it's definitely improved to what it to what it was a few yeah. years ago. I've I've got to ask your opinion on this shoe. So this is like a 5K shoe. What I got sent, and I, obviously anyone who's listening to this podcast can't see it, but it's an on cloud shoe. What okay. do you think of that? Because that looks just you can race in these on track as well. The like the exact specifications. So I tried, well, I won a pair of, um, is it on cloud flow? Yeah, yeah. I, I won a pair of those at a race and I I found I couldn't even wear them to go for a jog in. I just didn't, I just didn't enjoy the shoe. I mean, everyone's different and some people really like on shoes. But yeah. for me, I just, I just feel like they're such a, like, it's such a bizarre style to kind of have like the bumps underneath. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's kind of meant to be like running on clouds. It's meant to be like bouncy, feel really lightweight. But for me, I just kind of felt like I was like hitting down on the concrete and not getting much, not getting much return. Which yeah. you know, likewise, I don't know whether maybe you need to be kind of like a like a heavier build to kind of get the bounce back. I'm not sure because it's not like carbon. It's quite a hard sole, isn't it? On, on. yeah, really hard. It's it's the hardest yeah. foot uh, shoe I've ever worn. And this one's got like a speed board rather than a plate. So I think that makes it even harder. I'm going to show you actually the stiffness of this. Sorry again for everyone listening, but look at that. Like there's, there's hardly, yeah, you can't. There's nothing in it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think it's it. kind of shoes to wear. No, definitely not. I think, I think it's difficult now in a, pace, in a place with like, you know, I feel like racing flats are almost so different to like the carbon shoes. Yeah. Um, that that yeah it's kind of like a strange one really like I mean I did I've done two halves in like the Adidas Adios which yep. I mean there's really nothing to them and it's it's just yeah it's such kind of like a, a, a almost like a different experience running in uh, an actual flat as it is to kind of wearing the carbon shoes and when you get so used to wearing the carbon shoes I feel like there's kind of no going back yeah you you, you get used to that big stack eye big push forward and even if there's not that much performance difference um from like an economic standpoint running economy standpoint i don't know i said economics um i feel like if you go from next percents back to flats or any super shoe back to a flat it literally feels awful you sort of have to re get your style to like change completely to be able to run with them sometimes good to get down and run some fast like i don't know twos in or whatever but i don't know bigger the stack out the better for me yeah no definitely and i think as well it makes a big difference you know doing like high mileage and high mileage sessions I find that you know it like your calves and you know you don't feel quite as like tight afterwards you know like I don't get like massages or anything so and I find that like I can get on quite well with like you know carrying on doing the training like week after week and I do think that like the carbon shoes make a massive difference whereas like if you're trying to you know do like a big road session in a pair of like actual flats you know you can feel pretty broken the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about 
That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Yeah, yeah, Adam, especially like, I guess for your training, I'm guessing you're mainly jogging to somewhere to start a session. Do you normally like, do you warm up in the same shoes, like to get somewhere? No, we don't actually. Okay. Like, I carry them to be fair. Yeah. Because I, I have to, if I want to do a flat session around mine, unless it's at the track, I have to run three miles and then do the session. So if I tried to do it in like a flat, I'd get like Achilles tendonitis after like a week. So right. I use the endorphin speeds at the minute, which is a really good shoe for like, it's like a nat- quite a natural feel, big stack. It's got a plastic plating and they're great for like tempos and stuff. So yeah, I use that at the minute, which is a great shoe. Um, moving away from the shoes, the Olympic trials, marathon, how has your training sort of changed to that marathon distance are you sort of like in full marathon training now or are you still building into it and yeah so I'm kind of building into it and I've now got like a plan for the next 13 weeks that leads up to like leads up right up to the marathon um so yeah the sessions are going to kind of get longer and there's going to be a lot more like progression runs almost like at marathon pace so yeah, so it's probably I don't think mileage, like overall mileage, probably won't change that much because I, you know, um, if I'm running about 100 miles now, I don't think it'll need to kind of get significantly yeah. more. Thing. Um, but yeah, the types of sessions will get like longer and a bit more, almost closer to marathon pace, which might be slightly slower than I'm doing sessions now. But yeah, the sessions will be, will be longer. So, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. What what's your like? I guess it's way too far out to say, but what sort of you like your goals for that marathon? I'm guessing the Olympics qualifying, you know, that's obviously the goal, but like, what are you going into it? Like race plan wise and sort of, what would you be happy with regardless of the qualifying? Let's just say there was a time with what had no meaning whatsoever. What would you sort of be happy with, with obviously your first marathon debut? I think, I mean, ultimately for me to finish it in one piece will be, you know that would be really really re- rewarding and to kind of just like do the distance justice if you know what I mean yeah um, like you know it's such a long way and there can be so many things that like might go wrong you know if you get a blister or I don't know anything like you know to finish it would is like kind of the first aim and the second aim I think time-wise is a difficult one because you know you can kind of people can kind of work things out off your half marathon but then you know it's it's double the distance so it's you know it's a big change but I think if I'm right the under 23 British record might be like 231 30-ish I think I might have to check that but that would be to be somewhere close to that would be absolutely amazing but but yeah we'll just have to see because it's yeah I feel like it's difficult to kind of put a time put a time onto it yeah i'm guessing with it being quite an unorthodox course as well that sort of place factor because it's like is it around kew gardens is that where it is? Yeah, it is yeah and that was kind of another factor as to why i thought you know i might as well give this a go because it's only a couple of miles away from where from where i am so so yeah yeah that's going to be good what what's the olympic standard for the women's marathon um i think 229 30 i think okay and you need you need to run sub do you need to run sub that to go? What do you think? Or is it like yeah. points and yeah. yeah. Who is there? 
you've got to run under that and finish oh, three. in the top. Yeah, yeah, or something like two. that. Yeah. yeah, I think it's top two and then, yeah, yeah. It's quite a stacked, like, men's marathon and women's marathon at the minute. It's, like, quite a very good standard, isn't it, really? So it's good to see that we've actually sort of, I feel like in the last 10 years, we've progressed so much over the longer distances compared to what we were. So Yeah, it makes it kind of a lot more of, like, an exciting atmosphere to be in. You know, there's so many girls I know are going to, like, step up to the distance and be really, really competitive in it that, you know, it's nice to kind of have a bit more of, like, a, a community around it. So, yeah. you know, kind of help each other out and as much as everyone's got their individual goals like it can be really helpful you know to have people to kind of run around with so yeah yeah absolutely so moving on to some quicker fire questions these normally you know are a bit more casual and we'll just sort of ask them and hopefully they don't take much too thinking about i've actually written down on a whiteboard because i couldn't be bothered to make a google doc and it's a bit of a pain looking at the screen so first one favorite music or like favorite artist or song genre or whatever mm, okay this is a difficult one you know mm, i really like florence and the machine okay like the type of music that i will like blast out really really loud yeah, yeah. okay so florence and the machine's like she didn't sing no she didn't sing titanium did she or did she no, no. i don't think yeah she didn't um she's got a really famous song though hasn't she like really really famous song I'm doing a blank now. It's like like dog days are over. You've got the love. Oh, that's it. You've got the love. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. that's a huge song. Yeah, Florence Machine's all right. Not my cup of tea, but I can see <laughs> the, the appeal there. Um, favorite food? Oh God, chocolate. Any specific chocolate in in Dark general? Chocolate. The darker the better. I am the I am the person that like will eat like 99% dark chocolate yeah I, I have I have dark chocolate quite a lot especially in porridge because I feel like as soon as I read that it's got running benefits to it like antioxidants and stuff I'm like yeah just give me tons of that yeah, not a day that goes by without me eating dark chocolate yeah it's, it's a superfood um <laughs> favorite film or movie Ooh. sorry Americans get funny when I say film so movie okay um I feel like it seems as though this time of year as well probably love actually yep yeah. anything with hugh granton gets gets yeah. gets the thumbs up for me yeah definitely what about like spring through summertime like if, if you can't watch love actually because i only watch it at winter what would you say is like generic sort of film choice do you know what probably something like bridget jones right i've never watched bridget jones i refuse to watch it I could watch that over and over again. Yeah, something like that. So you're, you're big on like the British, UK sort of films. Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Like The Holiday, uh, Notting Hill, About a Boy, stuff like that. Yeah. Was, yeah, that's fine. My girlfriend's the same. She's absolutely obsessed with like anything with Hugh Grant in or anything what is British, loves. And then anything what's like Marvel or Star Warsy, get in the bin, basically. Um, Favourite TV series? Oh, Gossip Girl. I don't know what that is. What, what really? gossip? I've, I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. I just know. Like, so it's like an American series and it's just kind of about, it's set like, um, yeah, it's just kind of about American kind of teenagers that are like really kind of rich. 
like they're they're making like a like a re you know like a modern version of it i think yeah because yeah. it's kind of old now but but yeah Fair i feel enough. like any girl out there will know yeah gossip girl and okay. team chuck as well <laughs> what'd you say team chuck as well so nah, it, you'll know <laughs> okay i thought i thought you'll see it that's my knowledge i thought you were saying another tv series then but that's part <laughs> of gossip world okay favorite training session oh god oh hmm okay i feel like because i've kind of i've recently changed coaches so i've only been with this new coach for uh just under two months yeah jeff knows so training's kind of changed quite a lot but i mean on last friday we did it was a tempo session and we did three mile, three mile, one mile, one mile, and it was all off 90 seconds. And yeah, that was that was a nice session. So, so yeah, that was good. Or something yeah, like four by 12 minutes. That's that's a good session. Yeah, no, no. My, I hate long sessions, but like I did I did 20 by 1K on off. So like 1K at like, like 1K at like 10K pace and then 1K at like, like just a bit slower than tempo pace. And that, yeah, long sessions aren't, aren't it. I hate them really with a passion. Yeah. For me, I don't mind long sessions. It's float recoveries. I float recoveries, honestly. I just feel, I honestly, I just feel really sick. Yeah. Like you just don't, you know, to kind of go from like maybe 525 pace to kind of 545 pace. It just feels, I always kind of think it feels harder than carrying on going at the same pace. You yeah. kind of easily look at the watch and you think, I need to hurry up. But yeah. Have you ever tried that? Uh, I can't remember his name, but it's basically two times 90, four times 60, four times 30, four times 15. So it's only 20 minutes in total because whatever you do the rep at, you then do the float in the same. So it's like 90 seconds, 90 seconds float, but it's 5K pace and then like half marathon pace or like you tried to get down to 10K pace and it's ridiculous. So it's 20 minutes, like far, like in between 5K and then 10K between 10K and half marathon pace. That's um, that sounds intense <laughs> yeah that's like my least favorite session and that's sort of the next question i was gonna ask you is what, what would you say your least favorite session is oh gosh um, i don't know i don't really have a i feel like because my training's changed so much recently that it all kind of feels quite like new and almost exciting so yeah, yeah i don't really, at the moment i don't really have a, a least favorite session i mean the other week we did one mile on half a mile float like five times yeah. which by the time it got to like the the fourth flow I was kind of like nah this is this is getting hard now but I mean you average like a very fast pace for the for the whole thing so so it's, it's one of them things where like I finished and was like I feel really sick but this must have been beneficial surely yeah so. <laughs> when, when you do the flow you I'm pretty sure you run sometimes quicker than like you actually could run in a race like yeah I, I did like a 66 half marathon um well no it was like 60 either 65 50 or like 66 in that in like a float session and i was like I could, if someone asked me to race a 65 66 half marathon i'd say no no chance i feel like when you go out at that pace and then sort of stick at that pace it's a bit different than sort of dropping down picking it up and sometimes if you're feeling good a float session actually feels really good but yeah, I, I, it depends what day it's on i think a lot of people say that like if you have a float session, sometimes you might feel like you're flying and other days it can just feel tough. But yeah, but hopefully it's going to be beneficial. So 
yeah, it's aerobic wise float sessions. It's like when the pace drops, you know, you're going to have a good day if the pace feels a lot slower, but then other days it feels exactly the same. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the, that's the hardest part about it. Knowing you've got so, so many miles at this basically just running the same pace for basically really hard for like six miles, seven miles. Um, I was about to ask you a question and I've completely forgot. I oh, know. Right. Favorite pre-race food and then favorite post-race food. Cause I feel like they can vary quite a lot. Oh, okay. So pre-races in like the morning of the race, I will always have like, like bagels with jam and that will be it. Like I'll have like two bagels with jam. Like if it's a morning race, cause most road races are like yeah. 10, 9 AM. So so that's kind of like the, the pre-race food. I'm not really that fussy. Like the night before, I kind of don't, as long as it's something relatively plain and I just try and eat like a lot. Yeah, <laughs> just give me lots of carbs and lots of fats and that's all yeah, I care about. Like, yeah, I'll just kind of try and eat like a lot really. And then afterwards, honestly, anything. The thing is, I kind of, I eat what I want most of, like all the time anyway. But like afterwards, I don't know, something like, anything really like a good a good pizza good nando's anything like that yeah yeah i had a domino's last night after a race and it just it hits different when you've just yeah. done a cross-country race um <laughs> i was what about like nutrition as a whole obviously just the day you sort of eat what you want but is there not like any consistencies or specifics with like your day-to-day -day? i mean yeah i mean i study sport and exercise nutrition at st mary's yeah and it is really really interesting and once I have the degree hopefully I'll be able to kind of go into it and help a lot of the people because it has been you know it's been so insightful and I think it has really really benefited me um like I eat extremely well like I you know I know that I eat kind of the right things to make sure that I can do the miles that I'm doing type of thing and yeah it's stuff like an awful lot of like healthy fats a lot of like nuts an awful lot of carbs like I mean I eat so much like bread pasta stuff like that and then also like I think people kind of forget about it but I eat an awful lot of like fresh fruit and you know the benefits of like the antioxidants and all like the micronutrients you know there's so many like studies and research articles that you know it can reduce risks of like overtraining you know helps your immunity you know there's so many different things that you know stuff like that's important for and yeah yeah I'm quite I'm quite I would say I'm quite clued up on nutrition and what you kind of need to be eating to sustain like long distance training yeah I know you just covered quite a lot of sort of helpful tips there but what would you say like are some key tips to sort of try and make this podcast a bit educational what would you say like you could recommend for everyone to try and make sure they stick to mm, okay so oh gosh I would say vitamin D is really, really important. Yeah. And okay, so here is here is a big tip. A lot of runners take iron supplements or everyone knows with long distance running that it's really important to have high, high iron in your diet. And, you know, most people would take their iron tablets first thing in the morning when they also have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Whereas the absorption of iron is inhibited by cups of tea and coffee, whereas it's kind of promoted by vitamin C. So yeah. my biggest tip would be to make sure that you have, when you have your iron tablet, have it with vitamin C and don't have it with a cup of tea or coffee. 
that would probably be one of my biggest tips because otherwise you're taking your iron tablet and it might not actually be being absorbed all that much so you might think that you're okay and you know yeah actually the benefits might not really be you know as beneficial as they could be yeah that's great because that was something i did um when i was like going to the hospital i thought i might need to start taking thyroid medication and they were like you can't take it with coffee like it's coffee and tea just really ruin everything really like obviously coffee's amazing and i love coffee and i know you do as well especially in the afternoons which is quite strange um but like tea i know that tea is loved by many people in the uk but it actually also stops iron absorption even more doesn't it no matter when you take it and it's quite bad um I think it's one of them things about it's kind of all about timing and pairing the right things, pairing the right things together. So, like, I mean, I have my own tablets before I go to bed because you know I'm definitely not having a coffee at that time. So, so yeah, but I would say that is yeah, it's an important, like a really important tip for runners. So yeah, so yeah. that's fair. Right, switching up completely again. We normally try to sort of go towards the end of the podcast with some deeper questions. Um. I was going to ask you some of the ridiculous questions we normally ask people. In fact, yeah, go on then. Right. We always ask this. Would you rather fight a duck-sized horse? No. Ten duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? The small ones because I duck-sized, yeah, ten duck-sized horses because I feel like I'm quite small myself. So, you know, one massive yeah no yeah definitely the smaller ones yeah yeah it's, it's pretty obvious when you think about it i don't know why we always ask that question because why would anyone want to fight a massive duck like it's horrendous <laughs> i'm trying to think of the other ones because rory's normally asked these because you normally gets them from his university um flatmates as well um let's just move on right deep questions time so if you could change one thing about the sport well, two things. One thing where money wasn't money didn't matter, so it can be as, as ambitious as you want. And if you could change something, what's like realistic? What would it be? Oh, okay. Gosh, this is a hard one. So, so change one thing. Um, do you know? I think it might be that the fact that there almost seems to be a lot of friction sometimes between coaches and athletes and training groups and stuff and I think that the whole running community would benefit if everyone kind of got along a bit better yeah because you know I yeah that that's one thing I would change for everyone to um kind of build each other up rather than putting other people down yeah that would yeah. be something that would say. you know like praise other people you know other people run well at races and everything just kind of yeah have a bit more of a overall positive attitude rather than kind of like try and bring everything and everyone down yeah yeah i feel like you might get this a lot to be fair i'm not sure joker's obviously high mileage young age everyone's always like no you shouldn't do that and everyone seems to hate high mileage and i'm like why like at the end of the day if it works it works so that's a big thing for me yeah i think it's one of them things where it's like you know a lot of people are quite critical and i think you know sometimes it would almost be better if instead of people just criticizing they maybe actually ask the person you know because they might find out something quite insightful like you know there's a lot of reasons behind you know like what i do and a lot of people from like an outside perspective might be 
bit like oh is that the right thing to do but then you know you'll actually talk to me and you'll find out the reasons and it you know all of a sudden it's like oh it makes sense why you're doing that and I think if there was a lot more of that it would it would definitely be kind of a, a better running community if people were kind of less critical and more just kind of curious yeah 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 I, I agree like in the UK I feel like there's such a stigma about high mileage and burning out and training too hard when in reality like we're behind at a youth level to most other places like the US yeah. and like European, like Europe, because no one's training hard enough or, well, some people are, but like quite a lot of people aren't really at that level because they've sort of been told by coaches, been told by parents, been told by other athletes, like don't do high mileage, don't train too hard because you'll burn out. And then you see like triathletes, for example, dominate the youth age groups in running in the UK because they're actually doing lots of training. And then it's like, we always almost have to play catch up like from like 22 onwards because we've literally not done enough training and that's a big thing because there's so many people just go behind people's backs and start chatting rubbish about someone and like saying oh they're going to burn out because they're doing two miles even if someone runs well so someone doesn't have a clue how they train it happens so many times where people are like oh yeah they're going to burn out when they literally don't know what they're doing so yeah i 100 percent agree with you there like so many people just love to hate on people because probably jealousy really yeah, I don't know why this is getting that deep. I know it's supposed to be deep questions, but yeah. So, right, money wasn't an object. What would you change? Sort of, you know, I always, I don't know why, because I couldn't think of an answer to this, but hopefully you have a better creative direction for the sport than me. So what would you change if you could literally change anything with any amount of money? Kind of a pointless okay. question. But, okay, yeah. with any amount of money, I think it would be, um, you know, having more access for like younger athletes to have access to things like blood profiles, physiology testing, things like that. So that, you know, to prevent injuries, you know, because a lot of people burn out or they get injured or they give up and, you know, there's like, there's reasons for that. Yeah. But if there was the money to find these things out, then it would kind of prevent it from happening. So, so yeah, it would probably be kind of that really to kind of find out, you know, like give people bone scans, blood profiles, you know, find out whether there are any kind of underlying issues before it's too late. Because yeah. I think, you know, yeah, but I think that's, that would be really, really beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think definitely having more information, like if every athlete could be educated yeah. and had so much more information, it'd make coaching a lot better. It'd make athletes a lot better. It'd make the relationship a lot better and the understanding of what training works, what nutrition works what they need to do because obviously everyone's different so yeah 100% agree there just information on an individual level is crucial for like development and that's something you see where again like maybe in the US where people go to high schools or colleges sort of start getting that support and I feel like that's why there's such more of a bigger retention rate there where people just get kept on so right next question and I can never answer this and we ask it for fun because it makes put you on puts you under pressure what do you think the best decision you've ever made is? Oh, oh, this could be con. Oh no, I can't. Cause well, I have two. You're going to say I moving said, coaches as one, aren't you? Is that is that one of? You know, yeah, the yeah. first one was the fact that I was at University of Leeds and it was dropping out because at the time I, I yeah, that that was the best. That was one of the best decisions I ever made. I worked so hard to get there. I worked so hard to get the A levels to do. The grades but I was doing a human geography and business management degree 
and you know kind of running aside from an academic perspective I just kind of thought I can't do this for three years of my life everyone I felt like everyone at the uni was really really clever and I, I kind of felt like I wasn't and I thought I can't spend three years of my life doing this degree when I'm not that interested in it so that would that was a very very good decision to kind of drop out and think no actually I want to do something that you know I want to do which is yeah I do sport and exercise nutrition now which I absolutely love I'm really interested in it and I'm in a setting where you know it's you know the running environment's great you've got Bushy Park Richmond Park you know it is fantastic and then the second one would be yeah it would be um changing coaches yeah that's one of mine as well to be fair so yeah you got to do what you got to do aren't you so um yeah yeah no one likes university leads either or leads Beckett. So yeah, I'm I'm sure that was an amazing decision for you because, you know, anyone from Leeds listening, I'm sorry, but it's true. Um, I'm probably going to get quite a lot of hate from some people in Leeds for that, but you know, it's it's true. So yeah. Um, so the question we always end on is, where do you see yourself in ten years' time? I'll be thirty. Okay. Um, in ten years' time. I'd see myself, I don't know, because at 30, maybe my running career will be like coming towards an end. So I think the goal would probably be to have kind of like a second home in somewhere like Font so that I could carry on running and like live in the life of training. But but yeah, that would probably be the, that would, that, that's kind of where I would see myself at the age of 30. Yeah, I would definitely still be like in the sport and yeah, I'd quite, you know, like, I'd quite like to be like a, eventually be like a team manager for, you know, like England Athletics or British Athletics, something like that. But yeah, I feel like in 10 years time, 30 is quite a a strange one. There's definitely things I would like to have done. Like, you know, if I could go to an Olympics, that would be, that would be amazing. But yeah. I mean, Tokyo, Paris, and then LA, is that the 2021 one? Yeah, I mean that would some nice be... places to go to the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty exciting. But who knows? I mean, over the marathon though, like you've just got to look at some people. Like you can go for your forties. Like really, like forty-two, you could still be going good in the marathon. Like I think the Spanish record, the men's marathon, just got broken, and he's thirty-nine, and he's just ran two hundred six, two hundred seven. It's like, yeah. so you never know. You might, you might hit thirty and just be getting into your peak marathon shape so exactly exactly um so we always save this to last is there anything anyone you want to call out or anyone you want to say just to stir the pot or cause any beef no one really answers this but we just you know we want to be the center of drama in the running community so jeff knows i think that's 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 all i'll say okay let people who don't know that jeff knows sort of ponder with to be fair i can imagine a lot of people who follow you as well when you see the hashtag jeff knows i get it's got to a point in the uk now where everyone knows that just jeff knows and that's that's all it is yeah i mean at first i was like who even is this guy and what does he know but yeah now now i know that he he does know and i have an awful lot of um very grateful and i have an awful lot of faith in in his training so yeah yeah jeff knows a lot 